What's up, guys? It's Wednesday night, which means the week is rolling right along, and we are in the middle of another week of the WGT closest to the whole challenge. The game is called World Golf Tour. It's one of the best golf apps out there on the market. You can go download it right now at freewgt.com. That's freewgt.com. You have to download the game from there if you want to compete in the challenge, and you want to compete in the challenge because we are giving away a free DN VR shirt or gift card to local restaurant every single week. And at the end of it all, a grand prize of abs tickets, or if you're out of state, a jersey of your choosing. So some pretty awesome prizes. This week, the course is congressional. The hole is hole number six of the closest to the hole challenge. That is the sixth hole in order you play, not technically the sixth hole because they do them out of order, but simple enough. The sixth hole, it's the one where you're hitting a fairway wood onto a green with a bunch of water around it. Just to run it down really quick, freewgt.com, go into the game, go to the closest to the hole challenge, go to the golf course called Congressional, go to the closest to the hole challenge on that course, hole number six. Play that hole, take a screenshot, send it into us at info at the DNVR.com or on Twitter, DNVR Avalanche. Either way, that will get you entered for the weekly and the grand prize drawing. Whoever gets its closest will win the weekly. Even if you're not even close, you still get entered for a ticket in the grand prize drawing. So make sure to get on that as well. That's all I got. Let's jump into this show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online at mygreensolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are sitting here after the Avs just defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 3-1 to on a national television their first win on national television, in fact, because they've only been on twice, to be fair. But a nice win for the most part. Very solid, other than about a 10-minute stretch in the second period, which I'm sure we will get to. AJ, anything that stood out immediately to you? That 10-minute stretch in the second period was pretty bad. Okay, let's just start there then. Why not? The Avs, at one point in the second period, were getting outshot 12 to nothing as far as shots on net. It was not a pretty time. Just really struggling to possess the puck at all for that stretch. And they didn't do anything. Unless your name is Francois. Yeah, much. I, I mean, they didn't do anything. And the guy who gets paid to get in front of stuff got in front of all of the stuff. So that was good, I guess. Yeah, that that's, I mean, full credit to Francois in this game. Couldn't quite get the shutout, but hey, you get 32 saves out of 33 shots from your backup goaltender on any night. 
that's good on a national television night against a team that is a playoff team in the Eastern Conference right now. That's a pretty, pretty good backup. Yeah, you'll take that. So uh, you got to give him a lot of credit there, uh, especially the 10 minute stretch is bad. There were some defensive puck management issues, obviously. How much of that do you let slide? given what we've talked about with Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson not in the lineup. All of it. You win, you yeah. don't care. You don't care that That's much. True. Right? That's true. You get the W, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's still a W. Yeah. So I think that's fair enough for the most part. I don't even have too many players that really struggled on the Avs defense. No one really stood out as having an absolutely brutal game or anything like that. In fact, as later in the game, there were some nice – goal-saving type plays from guys like Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov. So on the whole, you know, sometimes games just flow like that. For the Avs, though, you know, I thought I thought they've got six defensemen, four of them are regulars, uh, two of them are fill-in types, and uh, all four of their regulars played over 20 minutes tonight, and I had no issues with that. Right. I thought that's when they were at their best, uh, and that each of the fill-ins tonight had their moments. Barbario, um, I thought I didn't have any like major issues with him, and then Callie Rosen should have had two assists. I still don't know how they took the first one away from him. I've gone back and watched it 400 times just out of curiosity, but it's all good. They, I'm sure they've got a better angle than I do, so that's cool. Um, but nah, I liked I liked a little bit of what that third pairing gave you, and if you have a third pairing uh, of, of fill-in guys, I mean, you're missing a third of your regular defense. It's it's nice that you can go against a high powered offense like Philadelphia and do your thing and 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 hold your own. I haven't checked Evans' grades yet. They should be up by the time this is live. Was Callie Rosen good enough to get that B minus B grade that you said he needed to get to possibly stay in the lineup? You know, uh, if I if I went purely based on eyes, I'd probably say yes. Okay. Uh, if I, you know, once I do my all my post game digging into the numbers and all that stuff, I'll, you know, once I start to get into that, naturally, I might, I might feel a little bit differently. But I really, I just didn't have a major problem with Rosen. With me, uh, yep, yeah, Evan gave him a B by the way. There so, you go. Uh, I, I just think that if Rosen, if Rosen moves the puck well and he makes good decisions, that's what you want him for. You did not have him. You did not call him up to be like a PK stalwart and, you know, to, to play him in heavy defensive situations. You called him up there and put him on the ice so that you have one more guy that you hope moves the puck with a little bit of ability for you. Yeah. You know, you're not asking for it to be a ton of minutes. You're not asking for it to be at a really high level. You're just saying, go out there and make good decisions with the puck. That's exactly what he did. And uh, showed off a little bit of the skating today too, like some of the you know some of the rushes up the ice. All that was good. I liked all that. Just fine from Callie Rosen. If he could copy and paste tonight every night, he'd be in the NHL for the next ten years. Right. Particularly the skating, I think, was something that we hadn't really seen from him in the past few games. So it was nice to see another tool in the bag from him there. I will say, the Corsi numbers, people aren't going to like them. 39% on the night, so a little bit rough there. That's not great. But, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. I, like we always say, advanced stats, you can't just pick and choose. Yeah, I mean, you got to put the whole, the. it tells the whole picture. You can't just be like, oh, well, 
the advanced stats don't matter at all tonight. And, oh, well, my eyes don't matter at all tonight. I didn't watch him turn that puck over seven times. You know, it tells the whole story. Not great Corsi numbers. He was on the ice for two goals for no goals against. So that's pretty okay. You'll win a lot of games if you're not on the ice for any goals. I I tell you, the one goal against that they gave up tonight was yeah. trying to come up with a polite way to put this. It was nonsense. It was like, come on. Like, this is the universe determined to make sure Francois doesn't get a shutout he's earned. <laughs> like, come on. What a bunch of bullcorn. Yeah, it was. The guy was spectacular. He made great save after great save. Was awesome. And then, and then naturally just some garbage play like that goes between guys' legs. And you're just like, what? Oh, look. They have it right in front of the net. At full speed, crossing the crease. On their best offensive player stick. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Whatever. So, I mean, it is what it is there. Unfortunate. Probably deserves the shutout, as you said. But still gets the W. By the way, 6-0-1 in his last seven starts. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. Everything is pretty good, man. I wrote it. I wrote it in my uh, my story from the game tonight uh, that you know we the, the the five game losing streak that ended last month that we thought that oh man like this was they gave back that that great start that they had yep and they've lost four times total since then and that was over a month ago so. yeah so but, uh, I mean it's again man like I'm. We're in the same position again where it's like, oh, they won another game and they just keep rolling. And and I put in our I put in our company Slack channel tonight, you know, that this just feels like a Stanley Cup team. Their their B and C game is winning them games uh, and against quality opponents and their A games have smoked teams. I mean, have absolutely when they've been on their A game, they have absolutely waxed NHL teams. Made it look like college football, like Alabama going up against Western Carolina in week 11 for their random late season tune up. Like it has, it has looked, it's been nasty. I mean, you go back and you look through their schedule and you're like, oh, well, here's a close game and here's a close game. This one's a pretty close. And then there's like a stretch of games where you're like dominated, dominated, dominated. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, this is what makes this team so nasty is that. Like Philadelphia is a very good team. They're going to be in contention for their their division title this year. They are they look like a playoff team. Carter Hart is definitely the real deal. And they dominated a long stretch of that game and it did not matter one damn bit. I mean, the Avs the Avs walked into a road trip last week and they housed Toronto, they beat up Montreal and then they had an awesome game against Boston. Where two two of the league's best traded punches and the Avs won that game four to one. I mean, it's just they've just done this. They've responded to bad losses. They've responded to injuries. They've responded to everything that you could possibly want. They've won games on second nights of back to backs. They've won games on the road in cities they haven't done well in. They've won games at home. They've blown teams out. I mean, they've done everything already this year. We should just fast forward to the end of the regular season because I don't want to wait anymore. I just want to get to the playoffs and let's see what this team can do. Because this is a playoff team and this has every 
earmark of a Stanley Cup contending team. I don't care that it's only the second week of December and that we need to slow our roll or whatever. This team is hot and we should be talking about it in the proper context of they are one of the best in the NHL and they are proving it more nights than not. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, but I would say it's not just that this team is good. With all of the injuries that they've gone through, this team has that special something. Yes, they're very good, but there's just that feeling around the team that this isn't just a playoff team. This is a team that can win it all. Well, there's the it factor. This is a team you walk in and you talk to the players. uh, You know, they don't get too high, too low anymore. Last couple of years, they outwardly were riding the roller coaster. I mean, it was a team that dogpiled on the ice with like five minutes to go in game 82 two years ago because they were so excited. Yeah. You know, and and whenever they clinch a playoff spot this year, I doubt they'll be doing that. I bet it'll be a lot more. It'll be a lot more. Biz, it'll be business like it. It's that's I mean, that's it, man. I just it's business for them. The regular season they understand is now a means to an end. This is no longer. Oh, we've got to go out and prove ourselves. And oh, this these games in November, this is a chance for me to win a job. And it's. You know, all of those little micro things are always going to go on, but there's full buy-in in this room, uh, in, in that in the locker room for. We're here to win. We're here to we're here to win the central. We're here to get home ice. We're here to plant ourselves in front of the Western Conference and say, "You want to go to the Cup final? You got to go through me." That's their whole goal right now. That's everything that they are working towards is to put themselves squarely between the rest of the West. And the cup finals. There you go. That's their goal. The Avs are all business about it. Now it's time for me to take care of a little business because the Avs won on a Wednesday night. So that means I'm drinking a Breckenridge Brewery Avalanche Amber Ale. Delicious, as always. Taste that bit sweeter when it's after an Avs victory, though. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established here in Breckenridge in 1990. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about Every beer on their list from top to bottom, but the Avalanche holds a special little place for being named after this Colorado Avalanche team. Drink one when you can get one. You can get them at the Pepsi Center. You can get them at your local liquor store pretty much anywhere across the country now at this point. So keep an eye out for them. Also keep an eye out on the Breckenridge event calendar because the next Avalanche watch party is coming up less than a week away now on the 18th. So make sure you RSVP on the site for that. Show up, drink some Breck brew, come have a good time. And yeah, should be great. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by the green solution. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We're going to talk about the first period in the second period because we talked about the second period in the first period. Matt Calvert might be one of the best players on this team right now. Straight up. I mean, guy might be the most underrated player in the league at this point. It's it's getting ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> we we talked about it before. He said he wanted 30 points this year. Uh he needs 13 more over the next 50 <laughs> something games to get yeah. there. So, I mean, uh, he's he's on the same point pace right now as Claude Giroux. That There you go. That speaks for itself, I guess. I, it's not just the, the scoring, though, for Matt Calvert and whatever line he happens to be on on any given night. It's that relentless ability to just 
pound pucks down, keep the puck away from the other team, and just straight up wear other teams out, man. I mean, nobody wants to play shifts against this guy. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to? He just <laughs> makes you look bad. <laughs> straight up. he For a guy that doesn't have an off switch, he just never seems to run out of gas either. It doesn't matter if it's the first shift of the game or the last. He's laying down that hit. He's right on top of the other team at every single moment. You know, the, I think maybe the, the thing that impresses me the most about Matt Calvert is the way they work the cycle game, the way he and Belmar work it together, because they sell out to keep pucks in, to keep pucks rimming around the boards. And you watch Colorado's other lines, and they're just not very good at it, where, like, one guy will just, like, he will just, oh, I'm going to rim the puck here because there's space, and, like, up and out of the zone, or there's not a teammate there, or, right. you know, there's two defenders and one teammate. And you watch that when when Belmar and Nieto and Calvert do it, they don't do that. They just don't, man. They they just don't have that problem. They dominate in in that area of the game. And I wrote about it in my takeaways from the game tonight that they say seriously, just they roll, man. Like they are the perfect changeup. You know, the in in a pitcher's arsenal. They are the changeup. You know, the 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 McKinnon Landeskog ranted in combination when they're together is the Garrett Cole fastball. Yeah, that fastball, thing's right? like it's, going 105. It's it's explosive. It's the best out there. You know, and then this is this is the world class changeup. They are they are such a punch in the mouth to teams because the top two lines are all built around transition and speed and skill. And, hey, we understand that the majority of scoring in the NHL happens via transition. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a top six that plays very, very well transitionally and creates tons of offense and scores like madmen off the rush. And we're going to dare teams to try and defend that and play against that. And good luck. You know, it's not that they can't do can't score in other ways, but that they are excellent at this one thing. And then that's what the top two lines are. And then that the the Jost Comfer whoever line on on any given night, you know, sometimes tonight it was Nieto, other times it was Nachushkin, but that line can do a little bit of the same thing. Well, will it's it's probably their most balanced line in that they they can come off the rush and they they can score and but they can also grind you down. Belmar and Calvert and Nieto or Nachushkin, whichever combination they actually roll out on at any given time. Tonight we saw both, and both were effective. Uh, when that when those guys go out on the ice, all they want to do is just grind you into dust. Like, yeah, they can get out, and they've scored a couple of goals in transition because Calvert and, and Nieto especially can just fly. But that's a line that just wants to punish you, just wear you down, make you rethink anything else i don't like, they I, go I ahead. almost agree like, i agree with your your argument that they're the change up but i also agree with your argument that they're a punch in the mouth which makes them feel a lot more like a brushback slide slider or fastball to me where fine whatever you want to whatever you want to call it man it's just 
it's something that catches the other team by surprise a lot of the time because they can roll that out as a third or even fourth line and they just crush you in possession. It's not even close. Yeah. I mean, Pierre Edouard Belmar, a 5v5 tonight. The Flyers had zero shots on goal against him. And I I, I didn't necessarily need to look at natural stat trick to know that that line dominated. Right. You got eye tests easily. Watching that first period, you're like, huh, that line has been <laughs> in the offensive zone for about three minutes. Well, and then and then you look in the second period where they dominated, right? Like the, the, the Flyers dominated. Didn't matter. That line went out and did their thing. Yep. Did its thing. Because when, when a team wants to play that game, that line is like, oh, you want to play my game? Are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure this is the choice that you want to make with your life right now? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. You, Pierre Edouard Belmar, who are you even? And then they go out there and they just grind them down into dust, man. I mean, they just, it's so impressive the way that they, they are relentless. And, like, there are a lot of tryhards in the NHL. But to be that relentless every single shift and that effective, I mean, they – you go out and you get guys who fill roles and you just hope for the best. That they have found this magical combination with Belmar and Calvert and it doesn't even matter who the third guy is. You know, that they have Nieto, that they have Nachushkin, great, awesome but it does i mean what they do is just so impressive and it is such an x factor for them that when they do get into a playoff series and coaches are going with hard matching and they are trying to trying to do that that line is going to be able to win them games straight up that's you want to talk about a style built for the playoffs that is it to a t right yes yes it is i mean that's that's big boy hockey. That's playoff hockey. When when people are like, oh, well, what are the abs going to do about St. Louis? It's like, well, they've got their own little mini St. Louis with that line. They've got that line that, that can do what all of St. Louis does. So how do the abs handle the blues? Great question. Gonna be gonna be interesting to see next week. Gonna be interesting to see if they end up in the postseason against each other. But the Avs have the kind of top flight skill and then the bottom six ability that makes them very, very difficult to handle. And we saw that again tonight against Philly. They just couldn't handle that part of Colorado's lineup. Well, they certainly couldn't handle Miko Rantanen, that's for sure. <laughs> and then Miko Rantanen scores twice. All of that, they get crushed in process and they do so many good things against Colorado's best players. And what happens? Two transition goals, Miko Rantanen puts him in the back of the net, and you're just like, ah, all right. And that's and that's with Carter Hart flat robbing Miko of a goal. Easily could have had a hat trick, yeah. And and Miko still is just like, meh, all good. Guess I'll get him next time, yeah. and he does. Still got two, sucker. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the thing about this team that, I think has separated them so much from previous years, previous iterations of this team. When that process went south a couple of years ago, and even at times last year, the game was over. The Avs, it would take them two full periods to get back up on the horse and remember how to play hockey effectively. Now they struggle through the first 10 minutes of the second period. They survive it. And then they start turning the game the other way and don't look back. 
Right. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, it's 2 nothing. Well, third period has started. They they come out and, and the Avs have a nice little push at the start of the period. And they capitalize and, oh, it's 3 nothing, And you're walking to two points at that point. Right. The... That's the others. They're what twelve zero and one when they start the third period with a lead. I think this year. I, if you're wrong, you're not off by much. I think that's right in the neighborhood of where they are. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure they don't have a regulation loss when they started the third with the lead. Is the point? I so, don't think they do either. So they've been holding it down. They haven't had those collapses. They've had some close ones, but they've pulled out the wins that they should be getting. Ooh, it's even better. It's fifteen zero and one. Okay, that's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna end the second period on that note because that's absurd to be fifteen zero and one with third period yeah. leads. <laughs> Finish the second period ahead because obviously it means we're gonna win. Yeah, right. There you go. Exactly. So, you know what takes winning sometimes is goaltenders stopping a lot of rubber. Not unlike what Francois did in this one, but. You have to make rubber to stop it, and that's where Denver Rubber Company comes in. They are the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They've been doing it since 1972, and they do everything under the sun, from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom hoses, and more importantly for the current season, they make snowplow blade rubber, and the blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We've seen their warehouse. We've seen that they produce these things in massive quantities if that's what you need so you can buy in bulk at a fantastic rate or if you're just doing some custom project for yourself you can buy whatever you need that way as well they're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at dnvr so be sure to give them a call for your snowplow needs or your other projects as well you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and let them know who sent you third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by the green solution rudo and aj coming at you we saw about a period and a half of what it might look like to have nathan mckinnon and miko rantanen on this team but not necessarily playing together and i think i already know what aj is going to say but they should just put them back together right yeah. Yeah. That's I knew that was coming. Seemed yeah. pretty straightforward. Granted, Rantanen did score that second goal off of a nice little play from Kadri. So, you know, maybe there's something there, but putting McKinnon and Rantanen on the same line is just silly stuff. That every team in the league is shaking in their boots when those two are coming down on them and they're going to score obscene amount of points when they do. So True. It's it's as simple as that. Sometimes you don't have to overcoach. Just take the good players and let them go be extremely good for you. And guess what? You'll win hockey games. Well, and when you're, what, the highest scoring team in the NHL? I, in uh, goals did per they game? pass Washington? They might have. Uh, they Yeah, right now they're number one in the NHL ahead of Tampa Bay and Washington. There you go. At 3.68 goals per game. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah. So when you're the number one offense out there, you really don't need to mess around with your top line to try and manufacture offense. That's very true. Hard to argue with that. To my to my eye, that would be the only reason you would do this, right? Like as you're trying to kickstart the offense, you're trying to spread the offense out. Like 
Why do you care? You've you've got your your you're closer to four goals a game than three goals a game. Like, just let it ride, dude. Yeah, hard hard to argue with the the scoring results at very least. I think I said this on a few podcasts ago, but the last time the Avs scored less than three goals in a game was November 21st. Three goals is is quickly becoming the floor as the number of goals the Avs are going to score in a game. Well, that's that's what you need for years. This has been a three goal. This has been a three goal league. You go back and you look, and the the best teams in the NHL over the last ten years, maybe even longer, they average a little over three goals a game, and they give up just a little under three goals a game. And your average, you you try and average, you try and win as many three two games as you possibly can. Yep. Tonight it was three one. Cool. Sometimes that's going to end up being four one with an empty netter. Sometimes you give up that extra goal and it's 3-2 like in Montreal. But as long as you get to that three and they don't, you're rolling. Rolling is exactly right. As the Avs have now won seven of their last eight. We said this was a bit of a weaker portion of their schedule coming up. Started off with a win in Philly. They have New Jersey coming on Friday as well. You got to think the beatdown might be coming. I mean, we talked about, you mentioned tonight, you know, might yeah. may happen. And, and I tell you, New Jersey doesn't have Carter Hart. They sure don't have a Carter Hart. Rantanen's goal there. Abs also hit two posts on the night. So you're talking about a couple, couple inches from a 6-1 game here. And yeah, the lack of Corey Schneider's existence has left New Jersey with a very questionable net. The Avs, after that, they do have the the showdown with St. Louis, as you said. That's going to be a very interesting game. I think everyone will agree with that, with the Avs now sitting atop the Central Division, atop the Western Conference. Do you expect the playoff feel out of that game? Do you think it's going to be a a full-on showdown? Yes. Yeah? 100% yes. The... And that's that's one thing I would say. Well, that's the concern coming into Friday night. Yeah, is that is a classic trap game. Looking a little bit ahead on that one. Yeah, you're you're like New Jersey. They are terrible. They are not good at in anything. They suck at everything. But they've got Taylor Hall, so that'll be fun. And then St. Louis in St. Louis next week. It's like oh. They could they could be vying for first place in the division on that particular day in in December. This matters a lot. This matters a lot more for Colorado than it does for St. Louis, I think. Because St. Louis is the cup holders. That's not going to change, right? They are the champs. They know that everything needs to run through them, and Colorado is the uppity little brother trying to trying to make a statement, right? But home ice matters. And the Avs very much want that. And so that's going to be, it's going to be a very motivated Colorado team. It's going to be a very motivated St. Louis team to kind of remind Colorado, like, Hey, we're the ones who had a parade last year. And you guys sat around and went July shopping to try and make your team better, to try and catch up to us. You know, like we had the parade. I mean that the results of that shopping feels a little bit like a parade right now, but I mean, right now it's a parade of goals. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That Bam! Worked out real, real well. So at least so far. But you're you're right. St. Louis says we already built a champion. Bring it. Well, and and the one game that they played this year couldn't have been more discouraging. 
You know, right. the abs, they just shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a particularly exciting game. The Avs scored one goal. They weren't overly competitive. They suffered a major injury. It was everything that a St. Louis game you would expect to be. Now, there were a lot of factors in that. You know, we've talked that that was the fifth game of a five-game road trip. It was their fifth game in, in eight days. That was an exhausted team. And we saw, you know, they took three days off, went to Vegas, and absolutely blew the doors off the Golden Knights. So, you know, <laughs> it's there were a lot of things that went into the one game that they've played so far. And the fact that we're even talking about this now on a post-game pod on Wednesday, the week before, just goes to show you, like, that's a big game. It's a big litmus test. Is Colorado for real? Because there's a lot of people out there that are starting to pull away, uh, start to pick at their at their analytics and saying, meh, they're coming, they're, they're getting ready for a crash. And there's a lot of people who are, you know, like us, who are like, uh, this is a cup contender that we might want to start taking pretty seriously, guys. And that game's going to matter a whole lot more than the New Jersey game on Friday. Certainly. But they count the same amount in the standings, and the Avs have to take Friday seriously. They take Friday seriously, they should get their two points. And this would be a very successful homestand that they would take five of six points on after a three-game road trip in which they took six of six points. You build, you work your way through the schedule in pieces like that, and you continue to find success, you know, the the Avs have in their locker room, as I know a, a bunch of teams in the NHL um, have a little thing that tracks their 10-game progress. The point is to get 12 points every 10 games. You do that, you'll make the playoffs. And the Avs are pretty comfortably doing that right now. Yep. I mean, they lead the entire Western Conference, so. Right. It's come pretty easy thus far, as far as the standing points are concerned. I, it's just such an exciting time to follow this team right yeah. now. Denver has always been a, a Broncos land first. <sighs> it's still the case, to be honest. There's still a ton of talk about Drew Locke out in the city, but it's a little bit different these days. These days, it's the Broncos may have found something in Drew Locke, and next year will be exciting, but... How about them abs? But if I want to go watch a, a team compete for a title, I'm going to the Pepsi Center. Right. Exactly. The good teams live in the can and everybody knows it. Everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. Even here at DNVR, everyone in this biz in this workplace, sure, workplace is talking about it. We even have our Justin, our guy who covers the CSU Rams up in Fort Collins, was tweeting about the abs tonight. So I think that says it all. Everybody knows that the Avs are for real in this city. 100%. That's all I got. I'm, I'm happy to leave it there if you are, AJ. Definitely. All right. So keep it locked in. Keep following this team and just enjoy it, man. It's a good time. That's going to do it for us. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back tomorrow, Thursday, with a live show for you. Should be pretty interesting doing some more of that all-decade talk for you. So keep an eye out for that as well, and we will talk to you then.